You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm Nick Fairby, we're for Pittsburgh Sports Now, call games at ACC Network, and I am working for WPTS Radio. And folks, today we have a pretty loaded docket. Ithiel Horton could potentially return to the team. His hearing date has been moved up. What could his fit be if he does end up returning, and how likely is it? Also, the Pitt football staff, man, they got some moving parts, some rumblings about the team as well after this season. Can the staff move? Will the staff change? What about the offense coordinator position? And then we will also make sure to talk about this upcoming game against Jacksonville. The Pitt men's basketball will be welcoming them to the house. All that coming up on Locked on Pitt. Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. And folks, as always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day. This episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. Now folks, I wanted to lead off this show uh, we're going to keep the two basketball segments together in the back end of the show, my second and third segment. But I, I wanted to lead this show off, you know, talking about pit football staff a little bit and, and, and kind of where where things stand with everybody. Because, I, you know, I've, I've talked about Brendan Marion a lot on here, um, kind of what's going on with him, where's Brendan Marion stand right now. And I think that's a that's an interesting discussion to be had. You know, where does Brendan Marion stand right now? Just Just with the staff, you know, Where's he going to go? Overall, what does it look like is going to happen for Brennan Marion? Because I think for me, the, the most obvious thing I, I notice when I look at the Brennan Marion resume is how much this guy has switched places. And, and you look at, at it and you say, okay, what's the cause of that? And he's just a hot shot, young, talented, you know, potential coordinator, coordinator at one time, wide receivers coach, good recruiter. He's got all this stuff, right? Like, literally, all of this stuff. And and so I look at, overall, what what you kind of get with, with a guy like Brendan Marion, and you say, well, he's probably going to be gone pretty soon because of just the natural nature of, of his track record right now. It's consistently up, up, and up. He's getting promotions every one, two years. So, yeah, Marion, by virtue of his clout within the industry... And by reserve of his schematic ideas and, and his ingenuity and his energy and his recruiting prowess and his consistent results on the field with his players is going to get that steady upward tick. And and obviously, you know, he's kind of the guy that prompts this discussion, you know, where can we see change on the staff? And, and Marion, you know, he didn't get the Colorado job we were talking about earlier. There was plenty of smoke there. He didn't end up getting that. But... You hear plenty of smoke around it, and now you're hearing him maybe as the Texas wide receivers coach going to join Steve Sarkeesian's job, you know, group over there in Austin, and certainly I would imagine that he wouldn't just leave to become the receivers coach. If, if he was going there, he might get a title like passing game coordinator, 
and, and I wonder how much of a go-go offense they would implement there. You would imagine anywhere he goes and gets a title like that, you'd see some implementation of his scheme. And, and I also actually really like that mesh between the go-go and, and a Sark RPO type scheme. So I do kind of wonder if they can mesh those two ideas. I think that could be really intriguing from just a schematic standpoint for the Longhorns. Um, so, so we'll see if Marion ends up going to Texas. This is third, fourth place. We've heard about Temple. Um, we've heard as the head coach at Temple, of course. There's been a lot of places that Marion's been discussed at um, just to potentially leave and go and get a higher-up job. And, again, that's just the nature of having a young upstart coach. Look at his resume. Coaching a bullet in the cough award winner, consistently approving offenses as the offensive coordinator down at William and Mary and Howard. This is a guy that that really fixed the drop issues here. He's just a hot shot head coach, and he has a rocket attached to him with boosters on it. So he's going to go up, you know. But th it's not like he's been the only guy we've heard about this year, you know. Charlie Partridge was also a guy that we it feels like someone tries to snatch Charlie Partridge every off season. I mean, we've heard this before. Miami was was trying to get him, and obviously he denied those rumors. And 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 I don't think you know. I mean, I'm not gonna say the dude's wrong because I'm not, you know, I'm not well credentialed enough to do that. And so he he was not. He, there was rumors that he was gonna get you know the job at Miami, and that they were offering the load for him to become their D line coach. But it seems he'll stake luckily. But I think globally, just looking at this staff. You're going to probably have to fill a, another position. And, and I do think that if Marion doesn't get that offensive coordinator job, I think he probably does end up going somewhere else. Just because, again, he's that upstart guy where he's going to have this legitimate clout in the industry where he has showcased pr consistent results on the football field. So it's naturally going to get him promotions because he's going to be sought after. That's why Texas is talking to him. That's why Colorado even inquired about him. I mean, the guy's a very young coach just to be, you know, a power five coordinator. I mean, you don't see guys that are 34 often be power five coordinators. So, so that, that's something that would be different. And, and Brendan Marion certainly fits kind of the mold to, to fit into that. Now, when you look at, at the rest of the staff, they're going to need a quarterback's coach, and I'm not completely certain that the offense coordinator is going to be the quarterback's coach. They obviously need an offensive coordinator. You hope that they don't have to do anything else. You know, Salem doesn't leave. You hope, I think the two guys you really hope don't leave, and, and outside of, you know, Marion um, and, and Partridge are Archie Collins and Corey Sanders. Because those are two really young guys that are kind of getting groomed for potential defensive coordinator jobs. They're guys that have done really solid jobs on the recruiting trail. They're very young. They're energetic. They have fresh ideas that they bring. They're good coaches. Their their units are pretty well coached. And, and when there's issues, they consistently prove. Look at how the defensive backs played at the beginning of the year. And then kind of watch how they steadily improved throughout the season. I credit that to Archie Collins and Corey Sanders. That's your two secondary coaches right there. So all the credit in the world to those two guys. You hope you don't lose them. But but Pitt's going to have some some turnover, I think, on the staff this, this offseason. So you have to understand that, that Narduzzi is taking his time with this offense coordinator job because he's going to sell himself like he is, you know, 
he's probably selling himself to Keaton Slovis right now. I'm, I, I would bet good money it's Narduzzi going on that recruiting trail because look at the track record of him landing quarterbacks without offensive coordinators. So he probably has an idea of what he wants offensive coordinator-wise. But again, there's guys like Marion who might leave. There's young guys on the defensive side of the ball that could leave. You have really solid assistance there. It's good that Pitt does have that, and they have this model of stability, but eventually you, you feel like you are you might have to replace these guys. You know, you lost Rob Harley last year, replacing him with Ryan Manilak. You feel like eventually when success comes, your assistants become more sought after, and that's going to be something Pitt's going to have to watch here, I think, especially with a guy like Brennan Marion, uh, guys like Charlie Partridge, and I think Archie Collins and Corey Sanders. So, Keep an eye on it. And then the offensive coordinator hire, and then they're obviously, I think, going to have to get a quarterback's coach too. So two two additions to the staff, potentially three, four um, additions to the staff, depending on how this thing works out. Very interested to see who becomes the offensive coordinator. I've thrown out some names. Chris Beatty, um, I think, is a very interesting name. I think Narduzzi really likes him. Um, I think if you're really shooting for the stars, a guy like Dan Mullen. But again, you know, that, that's, that's a guy that's probably waiting for, for his next head coaching opportunity rather than his offensive coordinator opportunity. So, you know, you could shoot for the stars on some of these guys and, and you can see where it goes and there could be a candidate completely out of left field that I don't mention at all in this podcast and that we'll talk about here when they do get hired. But until that happens, just watch on these assistants because you can really see Pitt, you know, having the success. That's usually when teams start to come for them, come for their assistants and overall Things can happen with that. But folks, could Pitt be getting Ithiel Horton back here soon? We'll talk about it. But first, I want to let you know about NutSuite. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you think the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Folks, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. And with visibility and control over all your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash locked. Head to NetSuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind finance offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash locked. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Folks, make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis, the most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins this Friday. Me and Matt Sheehan of Locked On Spartans will have a Peach Bowl preview over there. Make sure to go check it out, folks. Great stuff over there previewing Nick Patty, all this stuff, the impact without Kenneth Walker. We talk about all that and more. We got an in-depth preview uh, with all that over 
there. All right, folks, talk pit, and let's talk not Peach Bowl, but rather pit men's basketball. Certainly, we have some basketball to talk about before pit gets to Atlanta for their football game, but pit basketball right now is obviously missing their perimeter threat, the three-point scoring threat. They miss the deep ball badly, and you can obviously point to many causes for that, recruiting, lack of development of, of outside shots from the coaching staff at large. You know, Femio Ducali has improved there much. Burton never really had that. You know, maybe Jeffers is starting to find it a little bit, but he's still a tentative three-point shooter. He doesn't really have confidence in his shot. And outside of that, the guards don't have much. You know, Onyeze Kudo can sometimes hit that and bang that three up. But it, it can get spotty as well. So when you look at Pitt overall, the three is just a massive gaping hole. And every now and then, okay, they have a little bit going. Maybe you'll get a three here or there from Jamarius Burton. Maybe you'll get it here or there from Mogee. Maybe from Nate Santos, although his playing time's decreased lately. Maybe the off game where Odu Cali's feeling it. Or, you know, you get a few from Jeffress where he's open and he feels comfortable. Or the very rare and elusive John Hewley three. But here's the more important thing that I, I just kind of I kind of look at everything it, through the eyes of of this. And I say, what would this team look like with Nike Sabande and Ethel Horton? Like, seriously. Like, let's be real here. Teams just pack the paint because all Pitt has right now are guys that drive to the hoop and Hughley down in the low post. So, why wouldn't they just pack the paint? Because you can easily rotate on to Hughley to double him, cause turnovers that way while he's trying to kick it out. And, and even if you don't get back on the perimeter, there's a good chance the open dude on the three behind the, the arc is going to miss that shot. So, why wouldn't you pack the paint? It, it really makes a ton of sense. If you're the other team, you just go after Hughley, double him, take him out of the equation, force everyone else to beat you, but you don't let him drive easily to the hoop. You force him to the free throw line because Pitt has not been a good free throw shooting team this year. In St. John's, they were, but they need to put that into multiple games to prove to me that they are a much better, much improved free throw shooting team before I buy on board with all that hype. But still... Ithio Horton coming back, for example, would be huge. Sabandi's not coming back, obviously, as a torn ACL. But Ithio Horton would be huge. And, and yeah, I get it. Ithio Horton is not an all-league player. He's not some superstar. He's not some fantastic player here. I'm, I'm not going to hype up Ithio Horton like he's Ashton Gibbs. But he's a perimeter threat. That This team needs a darn perimeter threat. That's what they need. And Horton, listen, Ithia Horton, for all the grief you might want to give this guy, he's got an opportunity here to at least give this team something this team just does not have. And, and Horton last year shot 37% from three. Easily the highest on the team this year. That would easily be the highest on the team this year. That's all Pitt needs. They need someone that you can look at and say, oh man, if Hughley gets it out to that guy, that's a real threat. Or if we leave that guy open, oh boy, that's a threat. And then as he was kind of coming into his own last year, Horton also developed the drive game. He developed a dribble drive where he could facilitate out of the paint to the perimeter or down low 
he was a guy that really appeared to be coming into his own and, and kind of figuring things out and, and his shot creation. He can create off dribble. Horton has things that Pitt doesn't have. He's a shot creator. He's a perimeter three threat. He's another really good free throw shooter. Now what he's not is an on-ball defender. He's not going to be a good help defender. He's not going to give you good defense. He's going to also probably take away from your rebounding to a degree. Because in order to get him on there, you feel like you have to take off one of Odukali, Burton, or Jeffress. And obviously, all three of those guys, at the very least, are quality rebounders to a degree, especially for their position. So, you're losing defensive prowess, and you're losing some, some certain, at least, rebounding capabilities with Horton back. But listen, if they have to respect that guy on the outside... That's all you need to open things up for Hughley down low. And we know what John Hughley can do when he gets going. We know what a dominant force he can be when he gets going. John Hughley, at his best, is a very good player. And when he's at his best, it's when he's one-on-one -on -one in the paint. And when teams can't key in on him, and teams have to worry about that earmark that, oh, there's this guy, Ithiel Horton, that can drain us from three. When he gets hot, man, things can get ugly in a hurry. That's the important thing here. So Ithio Horton returning would be huge for this team. Just to have the perimeter threat. Just to be able to get him in for the offense. The, the juice to get them back into games with the three. Or extend these leads quickly with the three. Even if he's not always on and will have his off days. You have to understand that. He's a streaky shooter. But the fact that he's a threat at all. And he's proven to be a threat at all. Both in Delaware and at Pitt. That's what all you need. That's the most important thing. And we've seen his ugly days. And they are ugly. But understand, just having Ithio Horton there, his presence alone, it makes people respect him. And because it makes them respect him, he's a guy that you really want because he can open things up for Hughley. He can open up things on the drives for guys like Burton, for guys like Odu Cali, for guys like Isaiah Kudo, for guys like Oladapo down low, Gee. All these guys, just the reverberations of it. It would be a big effect. Now, it's not like, you know, it would move the needle a ton. The pit still wouldn't be a great team. But, man, at least they'd have another mode to work through. And then that's kind of the importance. Now, Willie come back? His hearing got moved up to the 30th of December. So, I think, you know, he's closer to returning than he was. It used to be the 19th of January. So, early in January, mid-January return? Possible. It could be possible. So we'll see how this works. There's a, there's a few dockets when you look at it. There's also a traffic charge docket. So it looks like these things might get reduced. Uh, but it, it's closer to, to seeing Ithia Horton potentially return. But we'll see if he gets reinstated. And when he does, when it is, and obviously once he gets back on the court, if he does for Pitt, how effective he is. So lots of variables going into this for Pitt as they kind of round into the corner. But folks, they face Jacksonville tomorrow. We'll talk about that. First, as you know, Pitt fans, bowl season is here. And we are in the thick of things. And the Peach Bowl, it's coming up. And listen, I know you want some entries. I know you want some of that on the Peach Bowl. And I've been telling you about prize picks. And if you still haven't signed up, what are you waiting for? In addition to the college football action, prize picks will also make college basketball more exciting throughout this tough, tough season. For Pitt fans, and it's a leader in college sports daily fantasy, and the prospects offers more college football 
and basketball props than anyone in the world. They offer all the star players of the Power 5, Power 6 in basketball, as well as the mid-major players you may have never even heard of in football. Interceptions, yards, touchdowns, whatever you want. You can bet on that Nick Patty prop if you want. And they also, in basketball, they can offer points, rebounds, assists, threes made, and more. Folks, all you have to do is use our promo code to receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100. Our promo code locked on. Again, you receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 if you just use our promo code locked on. All you have to do is pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, just you versus the projected numbers. And they also allow mixed sport entries if you so choose. So feel free. To put that down as well. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Hit Podcast. Let's go into this. You know, let's talk about it. Jacksonville coming to the Pete at 2 p.m. tomorrow. This is a game Pitt really wants to win. I'm certain they want to get this one done. Jacksonville 7-3 thus far on the year. Their losses are to Minnesota, so we do have a common opponent between these two. Losing to Minnesota 55-44. They lost to Georgia. They lost to UCF. So... UNC Wilmington, they also faced beating them 77-48. So, there are a few common opponents between these two. And, and listen, an Atlantic Sun team, Jacksonville I don't think is a particularly great team. I'll say that. Because, listen, while they're 7-3, it's not a strong 7-3. This is a team that, while they have some talented players, it's not like they're overwhelming. And you look at the, at the A-10 overall, and they're a good rebounding team. Now, that's the thing. They're a very good rebounding team. They average 54 rebounds a game. That's really, really good. Really good. Also, scoring defense. Third best in the nation right now. So, let's understand that overall. This is a good defensive team for Jacksonville. Jacksonville, one of the best defensive teams Pitt will face. But also, they have a really weak schedule in terms of net rating. Overall, they rank about 274 overall in terms of just their schedule. When you combine it overall, it's a very weak schedule for Jacksonville. Not a strong one. So overall, this team, it's a team that can be fine. They're very good at the three-point defense, only allowing opponents to shoot 28% from beyond the arc. They also get about 10 steals a game, which is a lot. It's 16th in the nation. So it's a good defensive team. It's a good defensive team. But, man, the offense is terrible. Just just 67 points a game. And, and you know, again, when they have faced these Power 6 opponents, it's been rough for them. It's been pretty rough for them. A lot, uh, scoring less than 50 against Minnesota. Scoring barely 50 against Georgia. UCF gave them a, a, a pretty good run as well. And Pitt's a good defensive team. Pitt's rounded into a nice, gritty defensive team that, that can fight you. And, and they'll fight you on the boards. They'll fight you in the paint. 
They'll fight you on the perimeter. They've they've kind of rolled into a really, really, really solid defensive team. And and again, that's the strength of the Pitt unit. And while Pitt's not going to be a great scoring team, I think you know the turnovers are obviously going to be the big thing here in their transition defense. How does Pitt kind of fit in here? But understand here that Pitt. I think I think should win this game. This should be a, a win for them. Again, there's there's an easy formula for them to lose this game. It's not hard to see them doing that. I mean, the easy way to lose the game is pretty simple. They turn the ball over too much, get too many points off of turnovers, and overall they they don't score much. And Jacksonville kind of just runs the transition game, the fast break point of this game, and goes off. And that's kind of it overall. I mean, this team doesn't make a ton of three-pointers a game. They make about six per game. That's not a lot. They don't shoot well from beyond the arc. This is not a team that's particularly impressive. Now, Mike Marsh is a good player for them. But again, this is not a particularly impressive team. Jordan Davis has a few nice games as well. But Jacksonville's a game they should win. There's a formula for them to win here. And if this is a truly improved team... This should be a game that Pitt wins, I don't want to say comfortably, but semi-comfortably. So they should win this one, you know, by five or more. They should feel comfortable down the stretch. They shouldn't have to fight and claw like they did against all these other teams. So you're looking for a, a decent win here. I'm not talking that they have to win by 15. They have to win, you know, crazily here. But they should be at least feeling a little bit comfortable coming down the stretch. That's the type of win you're looking for here. Again, they're favored in this game at the Pete. So you feel like they should be able to win this one again. Pitt's a strong defensive team. This is not a good offensive team for Jacksonville. They're a good defensive team, but if Pitt can at least get out of their own way or stay in that gritty kind of lane that they've played through over the past five or six games or so, they should be able to win this one. Just play smart basketball, which again, it's easier said than done for this team because they don't always do that. But this is one where you look like for Pitt, this should be a win. And hopefully it's a high mark as they really get into this gauntlet of the ACC schedule coming up. It could be a rough few months for Pitt and you would expect it to be. But understand that Pitt should be kind of running through this one and should be able to win this one over Jacksonville. And hopefully they have a good note to go off of before they head into ACC play and as they go into the Christmas holiday. So that's exactly what you hope from Pitt coming up all right folks as always thanks for listening tomorrow we will certainly have a lot to talk about as well we'll talk about the, the pit men's game obviously as well we'll also talk about nick patty and stuff or maybe something happens over the day and we have to talk about that we'll see folks but we'll definitely talk about pit men's basketball against jacksonville as always thanks for listening folks leave five star review do all that good stuff and as always hail to pit